The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. What I suggest is, as we're joining here, coming together, is you look around at these faces or one face or two faces and and realizing that the person you're looking at wants to be free, wants to be happy. That person has spiritual aspirations. Maybe that person wants to live in awareness, wants to be kind, doesn't want to harm others, wants to be virtuous in their, in her or his interactions. Noticing this field of goodness, all this goodness, all these faces have so much goodness. And now notice your own warmth at looking at these faces, your own kindness as you look at these faces. And knowing, too, that you, just like them, you would like to be free. You would like to live in awareness. You're kind. and You're nice pretty much to everybody. Don't try not to hurt anybody. <clears throat> if you can find your own square, look at your own square. Look at you. What a nice person I'm looking at. What a kind person. Makes lots of mistakes, but so what? So love ourselves. Love that square. If you can, sometimes it's hard to love ourselves, wish ourselves well, best wishes on your journey. I hope you're free all day long today. I hope you're happy today. Okay, so let's meditate. <clears throat> so if you could assume a <clears throat> an alert posture, 
awake, but more so comfortable. So that your body is at ease, your heart is at ease, your mind is relaxed. And welcome yourself. Opening and widening your awareness so that it takes in your entire body. Like the sky, touching, touching the back of your torso, touching your hips, legs, and feet. Letting the awareness wrap around your arms and your hands like warm hands holding your hands. A warm hand over your heart. Saying it's okay. A warm hand touching the small of your back. Allowing your heart to expand and open your lower back and allowing your belly to relax and open. And a warm hands cradling your head. Softening your jaw, your eyes, cradling your head, touching your forehead, softening your brain, and dropping back into the body. and relaxing. Welcoming yourself. You don't have to try here. You don't have to strive for anything. Everything you are is okay with awareness. Awareness is like the bright sun 
in the sky. Shining equally on everything. The sun shines on the west wall and then the west wall is removed. So it shines on the earth. And the earth is removed. It's luminous sun that lights up the whole sky shines on the water because ancients thought that water was everywhere. And then the water was removed. And it shined on nothing. Rumi said, return to the nowhere that you came from. This awareness is empty. of me and mine, empty of any possible reification. Relax into this emptiness. Some people call it a backdrop. A backdrop that's always here with us. This nowhere that we come from.
at the same time, this awareness is luminous. It does shine on many things. It knows many things. It knows our body. Everything that is known emerges from this emptiness, constantly emerging, thoughts emerging, feelings emerging. All these manifestations, miraculous manifestations of awareness. Empty, yet luminous. It shines on our judgments. It shines on our comparisons, our measurings. It emerge out of awareness and dissolve back into awareness. We cling like waves that rise from the ocean. And then it relaxes back into the ocean. Everything is sacred. Our our judgments are sacred. Our clinging is sacred. and relaxing into the body. Allowing the heart to relax. And being equally with everything that arises Be with whatever you're feeling right now.
allowing whatever emerges to emerge and dissolve. without judging. Relax. Into this non-judging field of awareness. Without trying to create some special state that we reify Allowing all the manifestations of awareness, the glorious manifestations, it could be your own woundedness emerging. Allow that be kind to that. could be well-being. Emerging with the kindness. And allow that. If there are thoughts, allow thoughts, be mindful of thoughts. They'll dissolve back into awareness.
this awareness has been compared to a, a jewel. Sometimes the jewel is kind of buried, surrounded by mud. But it's still a jewel. Feeling your own intrinsic kindness, your own intrinsic Maybe happiness. Is there some happiness here for you? When some of the mud breaks off without any effort just falls off. If judgments arise, the heart contracts. Just give yourself a hug. And relax back into this field. Where there's peace. Okay, well, thank you all for for meditating. And thank you for being here. I'd like to break into small groups for a little while and uh, maybe 10 minutes. And uh, 
know, share, share how you are, how your practice is going. And this is a kind of a complicated time right now with the shelter in place and with the holidays. So maybe a, a discussion prompt might be something like, how is your practice helping you now? And I don't mean, you know, I've been on this retreat or I sit with Gil every morning or, or inside. How, how, how is it for you inside? Okay. So Chris, are you, can you? Send them off. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so I think most of us are back now. Um, so, how was it? You could help us all by sharing um, what was discussed in your group about how your how your practice has been benefiting you during this complicated time. We'd love to hear from you, please. Well, I thought that was lovely, um, being with, uh, with these three other people and, and, and sharing being human, um, which is, which is not easy. Um, <laughs> I bet we can all agree on that one. Um, and, but being able to meet those, say, the judgments that come up in our minds and the measurements and the, and just be able to, um, see them as thoughts, um, that don't have to rule us, but, um, they, they seem to. <laughs> and we talked about the, predicament of having the goal of having no goals. And even that, you know, then we make a goal of that. <laughs> and, and, and the suffering can ensue. Um, but just a joy to, to be with everybody. Um, and, and, and drink each other in in this form. I never thought that that um, that I would appreciate something so electronic as as Zoom, um, but it's allowing us to commune together, and I'm I'm grateful, and I really liked that guided meditation, David. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gail. Oh, someone else, please unmute yourself and share. This is Carol. I'm on a phone, and it's really different, so I don't have my computer. Um, We all decided, we all felt that things were definitely more difficult 
as time moves on. And I think we, um, we're all living alone and kind of dealing with that. And we did find practice has been, um, a support. At least a couple of us did that, um, and also just the importance of, um, allowing ourselves to feel whatever is there and is, um, and kind of, and meet it with compassion and care seems to be very helpful these days. Thank you, Carol. We talked, or I talked a little bit about, um, I, I enjoyed the, the guided meditation too and kind of reluctantly was able to slip into a sense of peacefulness that was delightful. Um, and what I noticed about these times is that I just seem not to be able to get there on my own. So, um, I've, you know, I listen to Gil every weekday morning and sometimes I get there and sometimes I don't, but it's, I feel like the guided meditation is, is, I don't know if it's a crutch or it's just something that helps me with the overriding anxiety about COVID and um, the state of the country. Thank you, Lorna. Being in touch with our own kindness can be such a support so that whatever comes up, I mean, we, we fight with ourselves. We say, we want, we fight with our thinking minds. We, you know, we fight, we, we fight with our, um, contractions, with our, with our clinging. We judge ourselves. And so just kindness, just kindness is as, is as, wide and spacious and always here, always here. It is who we are. This kindness and this illumination is always, it is who we are. That's all we are. This illuminated, empty kindness. So just relaxing back into that. And whatever happens is fine. Even the judgments, even being kind. Okay, high judgment. Mm-hmm. We talked in our group about how nature has helped us being in contact with nature has helped us um since all of us are um in isolation and so I thought I could share a few beautiful items that I saw this morning. Uh, I love to get up around sunrise and go for a walk. And um, we, I, yesterday I actually had gotten a text from someone at, who was doing yard work at IMC. So I went down and helped sweep leaves and, um, it also, it felt really good to connect with someone, um, 
physically. I mean, we were both masked and socially distanced. And then we also got a chance to chat briefly with Gil when he came out. So um, mm-hmm. we uh, we miss uh, three of us in our group are would always meet at groups at IMC. So we miss that physical connection. But in a way, I feel like you know, with Zoom, with nature, with the various singing groups that I'm involved with that, I feel like my heart is expanding out. And I also do feel that um, I am helped a lot by guided meditations because um, I can have a very active mind. And so for me, it's a lot more challenging to do sitting meditation on my own. Thank you, Gloria. I um I just want to mention uh, that we do have small groups too. So if some of you are new, um, you might want to join a small group. And we do have guided meditations every small group meeting. They meet every two weeks. Um, you just let, uh, write to the senior Sangha website. And I just want to say, Gloria, I know how much you appreciate nature and, uh, I do too. And I was on a walk today and I was seeing everything as not out there, but as a manifestation of this, as a magnificent, sacred manifestation of this awareness. And how could it be otherwise? It's all taken in with this one awareness. So, and and, and the flower you showed, flowers are appearing all the time. Flowers are appearing in our hearts, in our thinking all manifestations of awareness. So if we can, you know, really see things, understand the, these qualities of awareness that are always here, this the quality of the backdrop, that we are coming from nowhere. We are empty. And we're manifesting everything. Everything is being manifested out of the sun, the sky of awareness. And that can help settle us. And it's true. It's not, that's not contrived. That is true. We can experience that. So thank you all for your, for your sharing. Um, and thank you all for everything. Thank you all for being here. So wonderful to see you all and have this wonderful song that's so supportive. So let's take a five minute break. And uh, after the break, um, Professor Cusick will, uh, Bless us with his great wisdom. And, uh, and when, when he, when Robert is done, um, then you will hear the beautiful words of Fiona. Okay. So please come back after the break. Five minutes. So if you could just make it kind of brief. Anytime, Robert. I think most people are back. Are we back? Yeah. Is everyone back? Pretty much? Yeah, I think so. Pretty much. Okay, everyone. So I'm going to put it on gallery view. And it's very nice to be here with all of you again. Um, I've been trying to recall how long this senior sangha has been going, but I think we're almost at a year, if not more. Now, which was just an idea and that came out of emptiness. (laughs) 
and look at what we've manifested here. So it's really nice to be here with all of you. And I know that it's not easy to, especially for some of us as we're getting older, to um, weather this pandemic um, with the degree of social isolation that it's imposed on so many of us. So people look for ways to um, to deal with it and everybody finds their own way to deal with it or not to deal with it. So I really want to say that I'm ready to hire David to come and teach my compassion course <laughs> because he's talking about kindness and goodness and resting in these qualities. And it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's a, a beautiful practice to try and cultivate. And uh, I want to follow up a little bit on what he was talking about in this first part of the, or this first hour and um, talk a little bit more about uh, awareness uh, touching awareness, resting in awareness, recognizing the quality of awareness. So I was listening to a talk recently that Joseph Goldstein had given at some point or another. And um don't know when he gave it, or I can't even remember what the talk was titled. But he was speaking to the topic of um, reality, relative reality and absolute reality. So those are obviously big, deep topics. And um, he was talking about how, how these two levels of reality, if we want to talk about it in that way, actually work together. And in the context of that talk, uh, he suggested that compassion is perceived in two different ways. And uh, in the relative sense, uh, he described it as a natural response to, to suffering, to mental suffering, physical suffering, or to mental suffering that we and everyone else in the world goes through. So we know that when we are aware of suffering within ourselves, our or in the within the environments or the worlds around us, that the heart will respond with a, a sense of caring and a sense of wanting to um, to actually engage in some way to alleviate that suffering. But he goes on to say that compassion actually operates on on another level, which is when people begin to awaken, uh, and I'm, I'm guessing he's talking about people who have spiritual practices and actually um, pay attention at a deeper level, when people begin to awaken even for just a little bit to the fact that we're, we're basically living in a dream, he suggests that um, we can have compassion for those who don't know that they're dreaming. We can have compassion for people who are really just lost. So 
So I don't know what you think about that. I I have an idea what I think. I'd like you to just pause for a moment and think how that lands for you. Relative compassion and then compassion that emerges from a place of seeing the human condition and how we are caught in it. So what I'd like to do is maybe just go through a little experiment with you. And then um, I might not actually put you in a breakout room. I might open it up to a a general um, type of facilitated discussion. So this is what I have in mind. So I'd like to invite you to um, close your eyes if you're comfortable doing so. And and I want you to uh, slowly just begin to relax into this sense of turning inward. Just the sense of uh, letting go of the external. Input that we live with normally and allow your awareness to slowly, slowly scan throughout your own body. You may notice that your perception of body, of body itself, moves and shifts. At one moment, the focus may be centered in the area of your head. In another moment, it may be centered in the area of your heart. Or you may be perceiving your limbs. It's possible for you to consciously direct your attention to your index finger or to your left ear or to your nose. Simply notice the quality of awareness of wherever attention is directed, whether it's your finger, your ear, your nose, or a general region of your body. 
And notice as you explore your own body in this very, very simple and straightforward way, that you also may naturally begin to embody the felt experience of form. Knowing the quality of form, a head or a hand or a leg. Perceiving a leg as form, a head as form. And notice as you're scanning your own body and noticing the form of head or leg or hand, the form that's so familiar to you, that you may naturally think it's your head or your hand or your leg. And if it's not your form, then whose is it? So just be with that question for a few moments without trying to answer it without making the mental effort it takes to think what the answer might be. Simply rest in the quality that knows the perception of body. Head, hand, leg form itself. And notice the mind that takes ownership of all of that. Period. Don't think about it. There is a knowing that's going on. And it's available to every one of us. So see if you can rest into the quality of awareness that knows body form, sensations, that recognizes pleasant and unpleasant pain and pleasure. The knowing 
quality that is aware of all that, but is not affected by what is being known. Seeing the world through the lens of our limited perceptions as being true is really a little like banging our heads against the wall, all the while pretending the wall's not there. So explore, investigate the feeling right now of the wanting mind that's so reactive, that wants to understand, that wants to take ownership. There's a teaching from the Buddha that our bodies can be afflicted, can be painful. And the mind can be unafflicted. So, I personally find this a very challenging teaching, but it does at least give me the opportunity to investigate the nature of knowing, of awareness itself. We can practice what it's like to recognize and be with a mind that's non-reactive to wanting or not wanting. You can learn to practice resting in this quality of knowing. And as we do, Joseph suggests that the knowing is the same even if the body is afflicted and the mind is unafflicted. The knowing is not in any way affected by what is being known. So for the last few minutes of this 
sort of prompted exercise or guided meditation, I'd like you to explore the feeling, the familiar feeling of the wanting mind, just the quality of it. It's not important what it wants. It's just what does the wanting mind feel like? Wanting to understand, wanting to be. And now notice how it feels just as you can move your attention from your head to your hand to your leg. I want you to now notice how it feels, the quality of the actual experience when the mind is free from wanting. When the mind lets go of needing things to be the way it wants and simply allows relaxation. And the purpose of this exercise that I'm leading you through is to bring you to this very point, to this very prompt where I'd like to ask you to explore or investigate or notice how it actually feels when you allow knowing And when knowing is not there. I'll say it in another way. Notice what it feels like when you're present with yourself. And experience. Experiencing knowing. And simply notice the quality of when that experience isn't there any longer. Whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes. So I hope that exercise um, 
you were able to to stay with that. Um, and rather than opening it up the way I intended, I do have we do have fifteen minutes, so we could break into the breakout room, which I I'm going to ask Chris if you would set the breakout rooms up again. And the prompt I would like to give you is how do these two levels of knowing work together in your own experience? And does it make a difference to you whether you live in the world of presence or otherwise? So how do these two levels work? Does it make a difference to you? And the last one is if, if you were dying at this very moment, would that question be important? And you can choose to, to explore any, any of those or anything else that the, that the guided meditation may have Stirred up in you. Clear? Yes? Okay. And we'll, we'll bring you back in about, um, maybe about eight minutes so that we have a little bit of time to do a full group debrief and then Fiona will, um, begin at would you would you begin your sharing because other people weren't back in the in the room yet oh and i in this room well um i can give you a person to go to who just did a interesting talk about it this goes back it's i don't want to take all the time so i'll just say that by connecting with the various divine attributes that are um, uh, taught in Kabbalah, Kabbalah, um, and putting them with each body part, um, I it, it gives it another layer of meaning. Mm. Okay. But I really um, liked the process that you just took us through. I I don't know anything about about what you're referencing, so I can't really comment on it. But uh, there are many many roads to Rome. That's the thing that I've learned. The older I get, there is no one way to find truth or freedom or kindness or happiness or you know emptiness. Uh, we we each have our own path to walk, and we're each our own teacher. So I'd like to uh, welcome any any uh, sharings that uh, you would be willing to offer to the group just as a, a way to, um, as, as a gift to one another. See, since, since this quality of knowing is available to all of us and whether we are conscious of touching that um, we all do touch it frequently 
And sometimes we're aware of it and sometimes we're not. And it has this quality for me, I'll just say maybe to prime the pump. It has this quality of spaciousness, of letting go of, uh, it's a sense of, um, you know, maybe I don't know exactly what's going on there, but it is really a place where there's not a sense of trying or pushing against. So it has a, a quality of freedom and um, it's not disturbed. What, what, is, what is it like for other people? Because basically what we're talking about is awareness itself. Well, for me, uh, I started out uh, <clears throat> with something that was uh, uh, clinging and unpleasant. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I had an ache in my heart and an ache in my belly. Mm-hmm. And when I removed my mind's knowing from that experience, the uh, aching disappeared. Mm. It reminded me that wherever I put my attention, that becomes more real. Right. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Trudy. Thank you. And being able to, to, usually when I do body scan, I'll start in my feet and just go, you know, it'll be very um, ordered, orderly going through, you know, my body parts and kind of like the experience of moving to different places mm-hmm. and, you know, so that my awareness um, went to that, to that place and then seeing the form of it, I guess. And, um, you know, so like I might've been with my leg, but then I was with, with my shoulder Um and they're all connected anyway. It just um, was a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's amazing how we just think shoulder or leg or hand or something. And then we recognize that there's a knowing of form itself. You see, and you begin to just rest into this quality of there's so much going on and we are just part of this dynamic unfolding experience. And that that which knows isn't affected by what is being known. But where does, where does, what happens when when our attention gets pulled into into stories and and so on, so there's no. I didn't do this exercise with you folks to like prove something. I just wanted, I just wanted, because I've been working with this in my own practice, coming to a place of recognizing what it's like to know and what it's like when I don't know. You see, what it's like when I'm present with myself and what it's like when I'm upset about something or triggered by something. And in the 
in being able to be with those experiences, I'm more able to investigate further what the nature of those two qualities of awareness are like. And it allows deeper and deeper resting. And for me, it's, it's resting in the, in the not knowing and not being so impatient that I have to move out of that and, and cognize some truth that is just a made up perception. So I get to see at deeper and deeper levels what freedom is like. It's freedom from all that stress of trying and creating. Mm-hmm. And simple, ex- I mean, in our day-to-day experience, we can we can explore these things at profoundly deep levels. It doesn't have to be like some, um, you know, major event that makes us stop and think about these things. We can simply notice what it's like when we scan our body and take ownership. So, In our, okay, of- well, I hope it was a useful exercise for you. I can't tell because everyone's being so quiet, but I know it's a big, it's a big topic. But uh, uh, since David was talking about awareness, I wanted to just maybe share how awareness isn't as big of a topic as some people think about it, that we can, we can touch awareness, any of us, when we pause and just start to pay attention for a few moments. So I, I, I hope that you all <laughs> can rest in, in awareness more and more often and that you can all touch that place of freedom. Um, because it's yours and um, you're the only one that can claim it for yourself. So um, I wish you to be well and happy and safe uh, during these really uncertain times and, um, and to practice with, with awareness, what it's, what it's like for you when you're with fear and when, when you're free from it or when you're with boredom and you're free from it. So. So with that, I want to um, turn turn this over to Fiona, and she has some thoughts to share with us. Um, and and I <coughs> thank all of you for for being here and being part of this uh, really wonderful community that grew out of a idea in David's heart and mind. So thank you all. Thank you. I would like in the future, I don't know if you'd want to, but I'd really like to explore going through um, dealing with various distress. So it could be fear and going to depth with it from um, our perspective of insight. Like, Sure. So, so we don't have time to do that. No. Not, no. Fiona. But I also want to mention that in a larger group, to take take that on could be really a little bit um uh, you have to be careful when you're doing that because people can touch trauma places, and yeah, we don't want to awaken here. anything we simply want to um yeah i understand proceed 
cautiously. Yes. So thank you again, Fiona. Thank please. you. Thank you. Well, Susan. So, um, let's see. I guess I'm trying to get on. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, yes. Well, I feel, I'm sure many of you, these wonderful teachings <coughs> for the last hour and a half and the sharing on um, awareness, <coughs> both expansive and looking at how we know. Um I was going to share, so I hope this is not too great a departure uh, from this, our topic. Um, for me, uh, last month I had mentioned, you know, my looking at um, the coming of the darker, the longer nights, the shorter days. And at the time it felt, for me, somewhat oppressive, onerous, it's just challenging. And, uh, but we are a few days away from the solstice. And, uh, that has been over the last decade, it became more and more important a celebration, uh, that I would share with my husband. We didn't have our son at home, no children. Um, we're no longer working at the Episcopal church that we had worked at for 20 years, where we would, as the token Buddhists, we would, rev up and make everyone happy and joyous and celebratory and busy. Um, and so the solstice became really this deep, precious time of acknowledging the dark and uh, looking to the light. And... Um, I was thinking about this in my own memories, childhood memories, the light. Um, my my background is, uh, my dad was Norwegian. And uh, so the, the holiday, Santa Lucia, which was the this beautiful little child bringing light, candle, her wreath of light, you know, coming to bring light so she could bring food to the starving children. Uh, and uh, Advent, I'd mentioned again, in my background, it was the four Sundays before Christmas kept lighting a new candle, a big, so each week there was more, more light. Um, and then on Christmas Eve, my mother, uh, our big deal was to have um, ice cream with a little candle in it. The lights would go out, and uh, in Scandinavia, there's this uh, chimes with, with candles. You'd light the candles and the chimes would ring. And all the lights would be out. And it was magical, this, you know. So with all the things about gifts and busyness, what I remember the most is these moments of light in the darkness. And um, I uh, I think I shared with you a few months ago I have this muse on Insight Timer, this fellow 
named Ben, a truck driver in Alberta, Canada, who who shares uh, his inspiration. He's the, the poet truck driver for me. And last March, he shared this long uh, entry about um, this is when COVID first came to Canada and the shutdown. And he was out putting his garbage out and his neighbor had, they were talking from a distance about their fear. You know, it was this long winter. It was coming into spring and COVID had hit. And I want to share something that he, in his conversation with his neighbor, I promise him, his, his neighbor says he's afraid. I promise him that we will both die. There is a strange sense of relief in this simple and undeniable truth. We shift to experience. It is a beautiful day. While our cool world is still buried, buried under two feet of snow, the promise of spring is in the air. Even at minus five degrees, the sun is warm on our faces. He agrees that today is a great day to be alive. He seems comforted with the reminder that a moment ago in his worry about tomorrow, he was missing out on the majesty of today. He was grateful to be brought back to the experience of here now without those specific words. We turn to enter our respective homes for dinner, and he thanks me. He tells me he's relieved, inspired, inspired to experience a moment. What else can there be? This was back in March. So, in December, in the meantime, he's lost his father-in-law in a nursing home, and he's still trucking, delivering on these lonely roads in Canada. And he says, still, I have a light to offer and a smile to give. It seems so little, yet it's all I have. Even this previously natural response to the world takes tremendous effort some days. And he shares with one of the persons he delivers to that thinks, well, it's not, COVID isn't that bad, only the old people die. And he listens and he goes away. He leaves his customer. And he says, I see and acknowledge my own fear. He says, I fear not having enough light to give, that I'll run out of smiles, as if it's my light that I'm passing along, as if it's my light that I'm passing along, and that it will run out. And I see the dark corners of my heart whispering to me, you better hang on to it. But not today. Today I will spread light everywhere I can. And later in the morning I visit the Christmas tree that I've decorated out in the woods. Another string of lights has been removed. Someone has received it. And I simply replace it and wonder again 
How long can I keep this up? And then, together, we will reflect this light. If I keep, keep touching in, even into the dark corners of my own heart. The sun sets and a bright moon rises. It's as if neither has a care about the drama of humanity, of life and death. They just shine because that is what they do. Let us continue to shine because that is what we can do. I am so touched by my poet truck driver in Canada. And a few days later, he wrote, Every day for the first few days after decorating this tree in my favorite woods, I visit it only to find something's missing. One day it's ornaments, then a string of beads, then a string of lights. Just when I start to lose faith and question, what am I doing? I show up to find some chocolate, candy canes, a candle, and an angel figurine at the base of this great giving tree. And my faith has been restored. I think about that inspiration when I was a little girl. Just the light. I hardly remember the presents at Christmas. What I remember is the magic of this light. And Gil, the other day when he was teaching on the Brahma Viharas and started out with Metta, he was talking about this touching into this inner quality through awareness of touching into this light of awareness. And I think he even used the word, this quality of love in looking at everything right here in this quiet mind that there is light and there can be this deep, natural quality of love. It's sort of this, Robert was talking about the outer and the inner awareness and this touching on the outer light is a reflection I deeply resonate with is reflecting this inner light beneath personality, beneath anxiety, thoughts, worries, the fear that my truck driver expresses. There's something so at home and so familiar David was talking about, you know, this awareness that's just here. 
someone quoted Thich Nhat Hanh the other day that everything is important. Everything is worth our awareness, our attention. It's precious. And um, if we can relax into that, just be present. Uh, what a gift. Last month, um, <laughs> I shared this picture. It was a, a copy of a copy of a copy. It's called A Winter Solstice, and I actually found it, and I treated myself to get the, the gicle print of it. Um, it's a children's illustration, and I'm going to hold it up again. It's called Solstice. And the outside world is very dark, beautiful stars, but it's dark. And inside, um, you know, there's this rest and light, this going deep within and touching into this light within. And trusting the safety and the inspiration that our deepest heart, our deepest knowing can um, guide and support us um, in the dark. We don't quite have time for small groups. And I think I, this time of shorter days and longer nights, maybe um, if people just want to share um, their memories or their experience of outer or inner light at this time of year, I think it's important to acknowledge what is moving our hearts, what warms our hearts, what what is an expression of our deepest love and our deepest knowing. I'd like to go. Thank you, Abraham. Yeah. When I was a kid and I was raised in the Christian tradition, there was a lot of choirs and I sang a lot. And beautiful, beautiful harmonies and sacred music uh, always indicated light to me. And because it was in a choir, I was sharing it with others. So that's a very dear memory for me. So when I look at it now and I see how dark it is in the morning on a more internal level, it's a great time to meditate. And it's there's a lot of light in the meditating in the darkness. There's a, a book uh, was introduced to me 
And I just love the title. It's a, by a Zen teacher, The Light Inside the Dark. Um, I, uh, I love that. <laughs> anyway. May I share? Please. I have been taking quite a few walks right at, um, sunset, right around sunset, and I have been just feeling wonderful. And I've always liked, you know, since I've moved to the Portland, Oregon area, seeing light in the darkness with all the decorations on people's houses. And right now I really feel like they are, like I'm receiving their uh, loving kindness by sharing, like these lights are outside to share with everybody. And I have, well, we've never put up lights outside and we have ours up too now. I just feel happy to turn that on and to share that, that blessing of light. Yeah. Yeah. Thank and, you. And for me, um, coming from Jewish roots, uh, this is our last night of the Hanukkah celebration and all eight candles will be lit and it's it's a joyous uh, way of celebrating the solstice and everything else so there my candelabra my menorah will be in the middle of my kitchen my dining table and there'll be a little lights all around the inside of my house and these electric uh, remote controlled candles and that's to me that's such a way of celebrating the season so thanks, Fiona. This was a beautiful closure to our time together and a reminder of what we have to be grateful for. Thank you. You're welcome. On those lines, since I'll also be kindling the Hanukkah lights and it's the eighth night um, in which we celebrate the ability to be who we are and practice our own um, religious paths, spiritual paths. Um, when I when we light the lights at our house, we always um, think of sending a brighter life in every respect to everyone in the world so that the candles are um, extending their light from us out into the world. So we always have that thought in mind. And the light symbolizes um, so much for us, as well as dispelling the darkness. Thank you. Thank you. From where I'm sitting, I have a large picture window that looks out on an enormous liquid amber tree, which is always the last one in the neighborhood to lose its leaves. So it is still full of uh, golden uh, golden leaves, and the sun is streaming through it. 
and the wind is blowing. And um, when David gave us our first meditation, this time I kept my eyes open and I just watched the sunlight streaming through this wave of golden leaves. And it was so sweet and calming. Thank you. Thank you. I um I have a tradition that I sometimes do with some friends at solstice time. We make a, ca- a labyrinth out of little tea lights mm. and we walk the labyrinth to the center. And at the center, we say a prayer for ourselves and a blessing for the world. And I'm sitting here in Edinburgh just now and there's a tremendous gale outside. And I find myself getting anxious. Oh, I can't do it because the tea lights yeah. will get blown out. <laughs> And what will happen? And I'm doing it on my own. And I felt this kind of wave of anxiety. And then I thought, well, I thought, whether the lights are lit and stay lit, or they, they're not lit and they're, or they're blown out, it doesn't really matter whether the light is visible or the light is invisible. The light is there anyway. And I found that a tremendous, I, it, just, it was just like, oh, right. So let it be. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Speaking of a labyrinth, I was part of Hilary Borison's Women's Circle of Mindfulness that helped restore a labyrinth up on a hillside that looked down towards the bay. And a week ago, I was out there right as the sun was rising and there were, there were pink clouds above and above me, a brilliant tiny crescent of the waning moon and one young man who was very mindfully slowly walking the labyrinth it was just him and me Mm -hmm. it was wonderful wow (laughs) thank you for this these thoughts fiona oh thank you thank you all um i uh I'm deeply uh, touched by the teachings here and your presence and um, your practice. And I um, love uh, sort of touching into this image of the outer light and the inner light and um, really trusting um, our this journey trusting this journey this practice so thank you deeply thank you 
for your presence here, uh, for your um, spirit. And uh, your courage to look, to look deeply. And thank you, Robert. Thank you, David. And uh, may you have a um, really blessed month until we meet again as a group. So with much, uh, with much care to you all. <clears throat> Thank you, Fiona. Goodbye, everyone. Happy holidays. Be Bye. safe. Be well. Yes. Bye, everyone. Bye, Bye. for your life. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You all. So nice to see everyone. Yeah. Yes. Bye. Be well and safe. Bye. Be well.